the free for all roundtable round two Joining me on the panel, News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew, Patrick Brown, the mayor of Brampton, and Toronto lawyer Karima Saad. Jason, I understand you were in, was it Seattle, when Taylor Swift was there? Yeah, that's right, Jerry. I was there, you know, bird watching, watching the Jays uh, and the Mariners, and the city was electric. You know, you had a whole bunch of Canadians come in to watch the Jays, but along with that, Seattle stadiums are right beside one another. It's T-Mobile Park and Lumen Stadium, which is the football stadium for the Seahawks, and Taylor Swift was playing the Saturday and Sunday night that I was there, and she packed each stadium with 70,000 people each night that all of them, I believe, were designated to wear the uniform form of cowboy boots and pink cowboy hats I and the city was hopping all weekend long with those two dueling events so it was great but I will tell you that I mean this is wonderful for Toronto the fact that this is happening and she's doing six uh, shows back to back to back in uh, Skydome it'll forever be Skydome but the next thing that we're going to go through here is people complaining about ticket prices because I was peaking when I was there and they are pure insanity well, you can get them right now on StubHub if you want to pay thousands of dollars. And um, that's not going to stop, Jerry. That, no. That's the thing. When we were there, we even waited right till concert time and a little bit into the concert. If you wanted to sit behind the stage and only see a quarter of the stage from the 500 level, it was still $800 a ticket. Yeah. Um, I, all of that will start to happen. I just hope the politicians stay out of it. It's supply and demand for an entertainment event. If you can't afford well, to go, you can't afford to go. It's also, it's funny that we're talking about this now because it was, I was writing this for Sunday Morning Trivia this week. It was a year ago on August 2nd, 2002, that Ticketmaster switched their strategy to dynamic pricing where it's based on demand of the event as opposed to a standard ticket price. And that's what's going to happen for all six of these events as well. So you're going to deal with astronomical ticket prices if you want to go. And it is kind of unfortunate if you think about it because I remember when I was a kid, like I got, yeah, we were weren't the richest people, but I got to go see Michael Jackson at Exhibition Stadium. And it's not like my mom poured out the equivalent of what would be, you know, thousands of dollars for a ticket. And those fans don't get to go anymore. Yeah, but, you know, somebody buys the ticket and that's the way it is. It's an entertainment thing. It's not a necessity in life. But Patrick Brown, you're in Brampton, but this is going to be a GTA event. This has got to be an economic benefit to Brampton as well. Well, you know, I don't understand the excitement and the craze behind this. And you gave me a bit of a heart attack because hearing about the ticket prices, my wife just said to me last night that she's excited about it. So um, I can't believe it's that expensive. And of course, Jerry, I agree with you that uh, government has no business getting involved in uh, trying to uh, distort uh, the marketplace. Okay, but, uh, but, of, but the hotels, hotels and restaurants in Brampton are going to benefit as well. For an event downtown Toronto? Um, well, there's going to be, there, the, we, we don't have enough hotel rooms in downtown Toronto to accommodate this thing. Yeah, um, it, it, that benefit is tough to measure, honestly. Um, and, and you certainly don't see it in, in your municipal revenue. You know, if there's provincial taxes or federal taxes collected, um, that's, that's one thing. But uh, I don't think we should be asked for a financial contribution based on, um, you know, uh, a tourism benefit. No, well, nobody's asking you for a contribution. One of the things that I like about it is that the taxpayers don't have to make a contribution. Uh, you're the most underwhelmed person I've talked to so far, Patrick, brought about this, but that's okay. It's it's an entertainment thing. Uh, Karima Saad, are you going to be getting tickets? Oh. 
Well, I'm excited for the show. I like Taylor Swift, but not enough um, to put like half of my rent money into it. Um, You know, but on the subject of dynamic pricing and Ticketmaster, um, I am a fan of wrestling events and closely monitor sites like Ticketmaster, StubHub, other verified resellers. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is a competition law argument about how these sites operate, um, because there are sometimes tickets that are held by all of them simultaneously. You can see the numbers change, um, and they're the only ones who are allowed to offer the service. So I, I think that there is something worth exploring there. Yeah, but what what could you possibly do about it? Well, uh, we've seen, you know, um, rules come in about um, people using bots, for example, um, and, you know, other kind of ways to game the system. I don't know that I have a policy solution right now. I'm just identifying that there is a problem. Um, and to Jason's point, you know, it used to be that the real hardcore fans would go line up at the box office, maybe the night before, kind of earn those front row seats at a price that was reasonable. And that's just not the reality that we're living in today anymore. Yeah. Um, I just want government to, to worry about problems of necessity, like grocery prices and gasoline prices and that kind of stuff and the, the housing issues that, that we have. And if somebody doesn't get to go to a Taylor Swift concert, well, they'll just gonna have to get over it. But let's move on. Mayor Olivia Chow backs a renaming of Dundas Street at about $9 million, and these things always end up being more expensive um, by the time they're done than uh, what is anticipated or predicted. And this, uh, this story, which the Toronto Star generated, talking to the mayor, came from a conversation on this show when City Councilor Shelley Carroll told us that they're not going to rename the, the street because we can't afford it. Patrick Brown, what do you think? Yeah, if it's if it's as costly as you're saying, it's it's difficult to make that argument. You know, if it was a matter of changing a few signs at, you know, a few thousand dollars as a cost, that's one thing, but the cost on this seem exorbitant. It makes it difficult, does it not, Jason, for Mayor uh, Chow to continue to say to the other levels of government, you got to prop us up here, we're in trouble financially, and then, oh, we're going to spend nine or ten million dollars renaming one of our streets. That's a great point, Jerry. And listen, it's not just one of the streets. There's subway stations associated with this. There's businesses associated with this. It ju- it's just ultimately going to be confusing. Uh, I mean, I've never, I heard this and I've never backed it. But again, I was the person who went to Ryerson and thought it was a brand and it didn't, and, and they've changed that to Toronto Metropolitan University now, as opposed to being named after Egerton Ryerson. Apparently it was a guy back in the day. Okay. Um, so this is, and, 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 you know, you're also dealing with Dundas Square, and I know there's already talk about renaming that, and they 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 go with Gordon Lightfoot Square. All the power to him. That sounds like a great idea, but this is going to be a lot of cost and a lot of confusion. Yeah, I wonder what Dundas Ontario will do. But I was just going to ask you if you took a sharpie and changed your diploma. Uh, you know, did anyone ever look at a broadcasting diploma? I don't know. I keep telling people I have one, though, Jerry. Uh, okay. Apparently, I know how to talk, and I went to school four years for it. All right. Karima, what do you think about this? Uh, to your point earlier about governments focusing on material needs, I think that's really important to keep in mind here. Um, there is symbolic power in names, but we have to do a proper cost-benefit analysis. And 
when we're facing people who are being denied shelter access, for example, not just asylum seekers, um, but citizens as well. Um, that to me is a higher priority. So if there's a way, um, as Jason suggested, that maybe we rename the square and not the entire street, um, because I don't actually think most people uh, have a grasp on the history and there's other ways, um, less costly ways to get information and, and public education out there um, that, that don't cost $9 million plus dollars. Sure. I would bet that uh, even some of the people who are pushing now to uh, make the name change didn't even think about this until it was brought up because they, they didn't sit around and think, well, who would they name Dundas Street after? People just don't do that. Uh, Patrick Brown, the Ontario government is looking at uh, sort of, uh, once again, overriding some of the school boards and saying, oh, look, you don't need all that property for the school or you don't need that particular school at all and we need places to put housing so we might be taking some of that property uh, off the rolls as uh, provincial school property and turning it into residential what's your reaction to that well i'd say a school built um years ago you know in the in the 40s or 50s may have a different um property need than than there is today and you know i give you an example in Brampton right now, we're doing a partnership with the school board where we're using school board property to build municipal recreation. The school uses it during uh, the day. We get to use it in the evenings and the weekends. Uh, I think it's smart to look at shared spaces. Um, I hadn't thought about the housing component, but we're certainly doing it in recreation, and I think we need to look at creative solutions right now. Well, Jason, I look at a situation, this has happened in Toronto, and some people don't like it because their kid might have to go a little further to school, and I understand why they might not like it, but we have to look at reality. If you have two schools and each one is underpopulated, and you can do it with one, you should do it with one. Yeah, that does make sense. And look at what the land is being used for. We just saw this in Burlington, actually, with Robert Bateman High School. Now it's going to be a city-owned multi-purpose community center. Uh, and it has been switched over to do other things with a lot of land and the existing structure right there to build upon that existing structure to make it something else. So if you know you have a school that's half full with kids, not only is that not a good use of land, but it's also not good for the kids there because you want the school to be full. You want that full um, satisfaction of going to high school and being able to socialize with a lot of people. I think it's just part of the experience. And it's weird when your school's half empty. Well, uh, Karima, of course, what the school boards don't like is they want to make their own decisions. That's uh, part of their argument has nothing to do with what happens with the land. It's just leave us alone. Well, there's a pattern, I think, in the Ford government uh, as far as local democracy goes, whether that's interfering in the Toronto elections, changing the ranked ballots in London, and now more sort of hands-on with school boards with minimal consultations. So I, I'm not surprised um, to hear about this, um, but I do think it's important to not be short-sighted uh, because when planning for schools, you're looking at, you know, longer than a, a decade that kids are actually from kindergarten up until grade 12. And so lots of factors and variables play into it. And I don't think that uh, the government, the provincial government should be authoritarian uh, in that respect. I think that local democracy matters. Well, they, we have a kind of a conflicting thing, though, Karima, because on the one hand, you can say they're authoritarian in local matters, and I think local does matter. But the fact of the matter is that the ultimate responsibility and power is at Queen's Park. 
this is true. Um, you know, municipalities are a creature of statute. So, you know, that there's constitutional law to support that. Um, I, I think what Mayor Brown was saying about partnerships and sharing of space, um, you know, that is important. And keeping space public, um, my concern would be selling off these lands um, and, you know, they're no longer a public resource and, and you can't control how a developer would use it, for example. All right. Jason Agnew, Patrick Brown, Karima Saad. Appreciate both of you, all three of you. Um, thanks very much. Upcoming, I'm done filling in for John Moore. He will be back on Tuesday. And uh, coming up next, Deb Hutton is in for me at 9.05 on News Talk 1010.